round by round, drink till you drown are the words the singer screams. And I drink a toast to the ghost of all the things I have seen. Cause we are all trying so hard to be all the things that we're not. Like, like pretty, and smart, and clever, and hard. We were all just weak and lost. And I am at it again, trying to drink myself back to sin. I am at it again, trying to let the demons in. I am at it again, trying to drink myself back to sin. And I am at it again, trying to let the demons win. Hello! Hello, 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 hello! I am Nathaniel, and we are at it again here on the pod. Uh, I am here today with... um, one of my long, probably my longest friend, probably the human being that I have chosen to remain in contact with on purpose, the longest in my life. Um, as many of you know, or have put together from listening to these, everything before, oh man, I I probably shouldn't pick a a number. I don't want to make people (laughs) feel bad, but, um, a most, I'm 42, one, I'm going to be 42 soon, and I would say at least half of my existence I would put up to, no, I don't, I don't need to talk to those people. Like, uh, I, um, some, sometimes because of them, sometimes because of me, um, sometimes because of both of us, uh, but Travis, uh, Mansfield is somebody that I have known, um, for a long, 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 long time. Uh, normally, I start this out by saying, hey, where did we meet? But I don't think that's fair to do to you, the guest. Uh, so I'll try and do a very quick primer on uh, how long I've known Travis and, and kind of like what he is to me and how we got from there to here. Um, the Mansfields went to Elkhart Baptist Christian School um, and First Baptist Church, uh, when I was a youngin, we're talking pre-10, um, I went to Northside Baptist Church, but my parents did send me to Elkhart Baptist Christian School for um, kindergarten, uh, first and second grade. And then I think I switched to Oslo Elementary in third grade. Um, Travis's uh, older brother Byron is my age. So for <clears throat> all of kindergarten, first, second, and third, we were in similar bouncing back and forth classes. Um, and then when I came back in middle school to Elkhart Baptist, Byron was also in, in my, my class until I, I did some not great things for not great reasons that, I probably will never go into because they're none of your business listener, but they're not great <clears throat> and, and definitely are tied into my, uh, abused childhood. Um, yeah, there definitely were responses to trauma. No, they were for sure. But I feel like anyways, it, I, there was a whole year of high school that I pissed away and I ended up graduating 
with the class behind mine. But for most of my high school career, Byron was in my, my class. And Byron was one of the few people who, I won't say treated me great, because nobody treated me great in high school until I uh, turned my life back over to the Lord and, and stayed back a year. And then all of a sudden, I was magically the You're shit. The cool kids, oh, man. I was real cool. CCC. <clears throat> uh, Jesus had big plans for me. Um, but, <clears throat> but uh, Travis was always there because he was a couple years younger than us and um, we Brother were adjacent. Yeah. We were douchey kids and he was a douchey kid and we were enough age removed that our doucheness felt like it had to attack his. Um, and so, yeah, I was actually closer in age to your younger brother. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and I definitely remember it was mostly us, uh, different groups of us bullying you at different yeah. times and in yeah. different ways. My most endearing memory is being carried down the hall of the school by, I don't know, three or four of you guys um, in an attempt to give me a swirly in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put up a fight and screamed loud enough that teachers came out of their classrooms and stopped you guys. Um yeah. So good we, memories. We good, were good memories. We were we were the closest thing Elkhart Baptist had to to bad kids. Cuz I would argue that that was all still pretty just teens. Oh, yeah. I got teens. I got labeled a bad kid because of you. Yeah. And my, yeah. my relationship to my brothers. Yeah. So. Oh, same. Hard same. <laughs> um I was just telling I don't I don't know if it was here on the pod or just somebody in my real life. But I was telling somebody that um, I I was like I knew kids that did drugs mm. and and did did more classically uh, uh, unlawful and dark behavior and and I would argue that I think though at different times I was more hated and feared and attacked by the authority structure than say people that were even related to people in this room who were doing actual illegal things because um I didn't I didn't do drugs I smoked I started smoking when I was about 15 hmm. 14 15 and uh, I started smoking in that way that you can when you're a teen and which I'm sure Travis understands oh, very, very whereas you only smoke as much as you can get cigarettes so sometimes oh, yeah. you smoke a lot and sometimes you magically have stopped smoking for a number of whatever until you can find cigarettes again. And, and sometimes you luck into the knowledge that a certain person working at a certain gas station <laughs> yeah. at a certain time yeah. isn't going to card you. Right. So you can buy cigarettes that specific day at that specific right. time. They um, may have to wait, you know, last you an entire week for one pack, but, you know, you do what you have to do. But, like, <clears throat> famously to kind of, like, I don't know, to maybe even help you guys listening understand a little bit more of me. Like, my dad was the dad that bought people alcohol. Um, I didn't really drink. So, like, I had access to some worse stuff. And usually, like, I was Nancy Reagan's dare shit really freaked me out as a kid. And I thought, you know, if I did anything, I was going to die. But the people at the authorities at school hated me more because what I would do is I would bring like the handbook into class and open it up to a section and then grill the teacher on 
well, why why is this rule here? Why does this say this? What, if this says this, why can't I do this? It doesn't say that I can't do this. It says that I can't do this, this, and this. So if I'm doing this, why are you telling me because of this rule I can't do it? And just would hammer and hammer and hammer away at like I'm very good. My mind is very good at like if you give me a a a black and white system structure, I will start just naturally picking apart. The loopholes you want to and the know thing. Where the, where the gray areas. Yeah, are. yeah. What, what, what? Weren't you smart enough to to put out into words? I mean, um, I, the story specifically that I was talking about was um, uh, Mr. Billman, and mm. the fact that um, he had the year that um, oh, was, was it Simpson? Was that oh, the yeah. principal that left went down south to yeah, yeah, to Indianapolis? So the year that Simpson went down to Indy. And, and uh, um, very short. Gillette, Gillette, Gillette's went down. Yeah, think. and then Gillette went up. Well, uh, they tapped him to be the fill-in vice principal, and then they offered him the vice principal job at the end of the year. And I had him for math that year, and I literally brought the handbook into our math class every day because he was the vice principal, and just like would just hammer at him. And he um, famously. Uh, infamously pulled me aside at the end of the year and said, hey, I want you to know they offered me the vice principal's job. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I turned it down because of you. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, like, that was... That was me as a as a as a teen. So that was such a piece of crap that I don't want this job anymore. You, it's okay because he went down south and made probably way more money, and you know, it was a terrible impact on multiple children. So um, I'm sure there's no trauma caused by his uh, his mere presence. So, um, Travis and I not great friends in high school. But around I each hated other, hated you. Yeah, you were the you were the big bully guy that mm-hmm. hung out with my brothers. Right. I I hated Nathaniel back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until Warp Tour, I think I was, was twenty, or I just turned, it was uh, no, it was I was younger than that. It was Hat World. Hat World is when our our friend our relationship flipped around. Yeah. yeah, there'd been a couple years, a year or something where we we weren't really around each other, and then I was working in Elder Beerman. Yeah, yep. And you were working in Hat World, and <laughs> these are just oh. the most like dated late nineties, early two thousands. Was, it, was with... it Gadzooks that I was working? At? <laughs> which, which ironically is where I got the infamous Tommy jumpsuit. That we, were ta- that we were talking Tommy about with suit. Heather upstairs earlier. Uh, I think it was Gadzooks, right? Down and, by, and by, still uh, by, by thing, Spencer. Man. Like, right? That was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it, it was, I was either there to say that or Chess King, but I think Chess King was gone by the time we were in no, the mall, wasn't no, it? I never worked anywhere that fancy except for uh, formal affairs briefly, but that wasn't in the mall. So. No, no. So. Um, I do know how to. <laughs> How to measure people for tuxes, though. So. I love it. That's a skill. Uh, so Travis was working in in a couple of mall stores, and I didn't like my job. And uh, for whatever reason, I came down, and um, you got me in at Hat World um, as a key holder. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I was third key. W- weren't you hired as like a like the assistant manager? 
I might have been hired as assistant manager now that you you say that. I might have been. Or or it was very short order from when you started. Yeah, it was there it to, was to becoming the assistant manager. Yeah. And that's because you were like a firm adult. Whereas I was only adult adjacent at that point in time. I may have still been in high school. Yeah, no, that's that that, that's exactly I worked what, there part time. Yeah, that was exactly it was something like that. You 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 literally weren't in a position, maybe even legally, to, yeah. to work the hours needed for a... Wouldn't stop them nowadays, though. No, it wouldn't stop. It, it barely stopped anybody back then. Yeah, for real. Um, and so then we then we then we just became friends. Like for what I don't I can't pinpoint an exact reason uh, other than but, we were a little bit older and but the catalyst was warped to her it really was like we were we were friends and we hung out occasionally because of work and right. because of our friendship with lee um but, but it wasn't uh, until that one warp tour where we ended up because everybody else was and date, i think that i want to say it was right? like warp tour 99 like I'm pretty sure it was either no, 99 2000 2001 it was maybe. 2001 i think and and we we rode down with Matt Campbell mm-hmm. in that big suburban. Yep. And, and Devin got in a fight with somebody in the suburban because he drove down separate, and he got in a fight with somebody, and we had a cop pulled pulled their gun on us. Not 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 me. I was far enough away that I wouldn't say that I like turned the corner and the gun was being pulled. Yeah, I was in the suburban. Yeah, so it, and, and I was definitely like, oh, this this feels bad. This I don't like this. This is so, good. And you and and then you and I like basically were like, uh... <laughs> I I forget exactly why, but there were a bunch of reasons where where we were like, no, we're cool. All of the rest of you, we're gonna not, I think, be near any of you for any of this yeah. if we can help it. Yeah, and and then we saw real big fish together. Yeah, oh, and, that was so good. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, real big fish wasn't wasn't a giant band at that point in time. Like they had blown up ninety six, ninety seven, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like on warp tour, kind of as a as what felt like a last gasp. It, well, Maybe I'm being mean to Real Big no, Fish. I, I love it, Real Big Fish. I, I think, it, I think day, you're more... Beer I think, is one of my favorite songs. I think you're less talking about Real Big Fish. I think you're more talking about Ska at the time. Yeah. Ska was Yeah, because Mighty Mighty Boss Tones was there. Out. Like, there was several bands. Ska, Ska boomed real hard in the, in the 90s. The mid-90s, there was that third wave Ska boom. And by the time you get to 2001... A lot of people are being like, you know, like the like the fad is all like super past, you oh, know, yeah, like. Yeah. And now we're we're living in like Ska's. We're getting ready for like if the fourth oh. wave isn't officially here, it's like That's it's coming. coming. Yeah, it's coming. I'm real excited. Yeah, there's, there's there's there's. I mean, Ska's. I wonder. I've spent the last uh, 16 years trying to convince my children to to, to pick up instruments that they can join a ska band. With. Um, I've succeeded with one. Did you ever back when I had a Facebook? Did you ever read my open a letter to Ska? I believe so. That I wrote it's a, been a dude. Uh, it's been half a decade since you've had a Facebook, if not if not more, if not longer. But yeah. uh, when I still had a Facebook, I wrote a I wrote a long open apology letter to Ska <laughs> because I was such a shitty hardcore kid in high school, uh, as we've alluded to, and and now uh, not to. Not to turn all of the chuckles into to size, but like, uh, because it was my art, like my, my, you know, looking back on it, it was so obvious that 
almost everything I did in high school was to try and keep people arm's length away sure. because because I I was hurt because I was a hurt kid that was being hurt all the time and so like if I just become scary my parents will leave me alone the authority figures at school will leave me alone the people that have been picking on me will be like are scared that I'm going to be a school shooter so they're going to leave me alone like <laughs> everybody's going to leave me alone it, I mean like uh it's interesting to see where we're at now and how much stuff has gotten worse but to know that I we were officially that first generation like I was asked to take my trench coat off at a school function Oh yeah I I remember the day that Columbine happened Yeah like it it changed school <clears throat> like completely how how things were treated at school how how the different kids were treated specifically and um and it's such a bummer right because it was all built on a lie like those oh, yeah. those columbine shits were were little nazi worshiping fascist yeah. fucks and, but it got blamed on doom and marilyn manson you know and and people not that bullying. marilyn manson's an icon he's a piece and, of shit no but it got blamed on and also got blamed on like cool kids bullying bullying uncool kids mm. and you know now that we're you know i'm in, we're in our 40s or you're almost in your 40s like now that we're olds we can we can now officially say that classic thing that we heard when we were younger, which is no no no, all high school kids are shitty to oh. each other. There are no cool kids and uncool kids. There's just teens being different levels of shitty to mm-hmm. other teens because you're awkward and you don't know anything. And they, well, at least back then, I I genuinely what little bit I hear from people with teenagers now feels like at least some of it functions differently than it used to. And yeah. that makes um, me, that gives me hope. I'm for sure, sure there's different, I'm sure that that is still the case in a lot of areas, specifically, like probably most areas. Uh, but the new generation, you've, you and I have had this conversation before. Um, the new generation, my kids' generation, gives me a lot of hope in that I feel like they're changing the tide politically and, you know, uh, with how people are treated in general. Um, at least from my own experience, like my kids, um, you know, I have two teenage daughters and they are a lot more open to things, uh, you know, to people of different, um, you know, ethnicities, um, sexual orientations, religions, you know, whatever. And uh, at least from, from my perspective in dealing with my kids and their friends and their friend groups it feels i feel hopeful at least which i haven't felt in a long time about, yeah about things like that since like 2015 i haven't felt a lot of hope mm. so i mean it, it... and knowing that my at least one of my my children will be of voting age in the next presidential election makes me feel a little bit better right so i think i think that you still think there's going to be a vote is a sign that, you know, that's don't let hope die, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As is our way, we've we've turned a corner to dark. That's a running joke with Nathaniel and I is we never end on a high note and we have conversations on the phone. Whenever I call him up and, and, and catch up for a little bit, I inevitably end with some just like, soul crushing fact or thought like yeah just something in in just you know the news recently because um even here on this podcast 
And you've you've listened to some of it, so you can ca- tell oh, yeah. me if I'm if I'm if I'm bullshitting here. But I always tell people, I'm like, I'm filtering myself for ninety nine percent of the world. <laughs> There's a very small sliver of humanity that I just open the floodgates and like let my full me <laughs> out. And and so even as dark as it's gotten on this podcast, know that I am. And I promise you, I'm not lying. I'm holding back. <laughs> uh, Travis is three episodes of- ago when he said, you know, fuck white supremacists. He meant way more than just fuck <laughs> white supremacists. <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, Travis is one of those handful of people that that will will and and I mean, I don't think my thoughts on fascism are. Very controversial, but more they to be shouldn't more, be. They shouldn't. They should not. There should be. There. There shouldn't be a debate about good fascists. They don't exist. Good fascists do not exist. <laughs> if you are a fascist, you are a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, but it's more like um, Travis gets the double barrel of like, you know, I. I had a really hard or had a really bad childhood and so I have a lot of scars and things that are just always there. They're just always there. We're recording on Sunday after Christmas and I hate fucking the holidays. I hate them because in my household um they were just times for like people to punch other people. Or to blame people for the fact that we didn't have money or didn't have food or um, to be dragged after watching people punch people to a family thing where I had to pretend that like I didn't just watch a fucking fist fight in the car, you know, 15 minutes ago. It it sucks. I hate it. hate it. For the most part, I push that down and and don't bleed that into everybody's everything all the time Uh, although that's changed some because it's not super healthy and if you're gonna i'm trying to get closer to a point where if you're going to be in my life and be a part of my life and care about me well then you're gonna have to care about me and part of that is dealing with that but all that to say is travis is one of those few people who like because of our time with each other and the bullshit we've done to each other and the that kind of friendship that comes from like not just good stuff but super bad stuff and not even just like shared trauma but like like I've been shitty to Travis Travis has been shitty to me we have we have had to for sure we've had to push through professional and private instances of not being the best humans to each other and decide on the other side we still wanted to be in each other's life and that that forces you to a place of honesty and realness in a relationship that not a lot of relationships i think go to and through which you know? brings up a good point um i'm breaking up with you Ooh, no, no. i kid i kid i kid uh <laughs> travis not not a fan that's, of deep. That's emotions. how I deal with trauma. <laughs> not a not a fan of of hard emotions. So you're just gonna have to deal with a lot of really bad jokes, 
put in whenever like his like realness meter hits like too hard he's just gonna be like i gotta i gotta get out i'm gonna say something weird yeah <laughs> um yeah. but um uh so travis and i have known each other since we were little literally children for you people listening at home travis is one of the first three human beings that i told that i was sexually abused as a child um just to place him in your mind in me and in context it was heather who's my my one of my best friends and my ex that lives above me and co-parents pugs with me it was travis and it was our friend g those were the three people that i told out loud for a long time because you know it fucking sucks to realize that you were sexually abused and and you know it sucks more than that the sexual abuse. The sexual abuse. The sexual yeah, abuse. The, the fact that anybody is sexually abused. Yeah. And I, you know, I give it to you that, that you're willing to at least open up and talk about it now. Um, it sucks that you had to keep that secret for so long. And you know, the weirdest. You know, the just, we- just having gone through that, I can't. I can't even fathom how that how that has affected you part of it never what the weirdest part about it for me and this is everybody's journey is their own thing is i would argue for a long time i didn't even think i was keeping a secret Hmm. like i had just packed it away into some like weird shit like i was always open about the fact that my dad was shitty right yeah um and and so and that you hated him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turns and, out that hatred was justified, everybody. Well, and and I and I I do I do still um, wonder and dig through the fact that for whatever reason in America it's still a lot easier to talk about your physical abuse than your sexual abuse. Sure. So like I was always pretty open about the fact that. My dad, for sure, but I think I I used to even allude to the fact that my mom hit me quite a bit, and uh, you know, since you know Travis and I don't like we live in different cities now, and South Bend and Elkhart are just far enough away that, and he has like sixteen thousand children and twelve hundred animals. I have I have three children. Yeah, like I, I said, sixteen thousand children and a dog. <laughs> uh, She's we, a rescue greyhound. She's a She's lovely. <laughs> uh, she I is, like Cleo. She is cute. Uh, um, all uh, all that to just say is we don't hang out very much anymore. So, uh, but we have talked a lot, and like to the point where I would I would argue these days the thing that I struggle with the most is still unpacking my mom hmm. and the abuse that happened there, and the lack of protecting me from my father and my mom died uh two years ago now and and that one is its own different like mark burned the bridges so charcoal black that by the time i started verbalizing and accepting it it transitioned into kind of um when when I deal with my childhood sexual abuse trauma, I I am dealing with the actual trauma caused by the act. I no longer personally have any issues dealing with Mark being my abuser. 
my brain had cut the cord of him being my father so long ago that like for I'm probably not doing a great way of explaining this, but like that, that parental part of the abuse with him specifically doesn't, um, no, he was, he he, was your monster. Yeah. He, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me anymore. Whereas with my mom, it's still very, very complicated Mm. because I did love her and she was my mom and she did get better and she was sorry and none of that changes the fact that she didn't believe me when I told her when I was a kid. And that at times, instead of believing me, she punched me. Mm. And so the trauma that I probably have the hardest time unpacking, um, to, to put it in dark Nathaniel humor, getting giving everybody a glimpse into the me that some people get to. I, I forget who, but somebody brought up Somebody, if I remember correctly, and I don't remember exactly who, so it was probably somebody at work, just kind of flippantly, jokingly alluded to that I talk about my dogs that have passed away way more than my mom that passed away. And I said, well, I don't know what Zoe's fist feels like, Mm. (laughs) but I can tell you exact, I can tell you exactly how hard my mom punches. It's, it almost feels like the difference between the unconditional love of a, of of a pet, you know, yeah, who, no. who just loves you. Yeah, exactly. That's and, exactly what it and is. Feeling the disappointment. Yes. And pain that comes from somebody that was supposed to protect you becoming your attacker. Right. And, and understand, and I want to, because my mom is gone and she, the, the next loon record is going to dig into a lot of that stuff. And, and that's because she's gone. I could not write this record while she was still alive. Because I did love her. Right. And I knew that she was sorry. It also didn't change anything. Like that her being sorry and her loving me in the present doesn't change the past. And that's what dealing with trauma is at the end of the day is it's taking things that can't be undone. They have happened. They are seared into you. And now you have to look at them and... Uh, talk about them with yourself and 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 absorb them into you and and I'm still doing that with my my mom which yeah. but not to not to make light of anything but you can almost connect um two points with you f- discovering music and the trauma of your youth and how the the outlet and actually your early dealings with that trauma uh, were manifested through music, um, you know, lyrically. I mean, not even not even just lyrically, but just learning how to play guitar was an outlet for you. It was a way for you to start processing, you know, some of that uh, negativity and and hopefully you know getting it off of your shoulders or making it feel lighter i don't know that a a victim of trauma like that can ever truly get over you know no you learn to live with your childhood man we've gone dark buddy yes we've gone real dark yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but i um yeah in this this i mean we're only yeah this train ride we aren't even we aren't even (laughs) We're just getting. We're just leaving the station. Um, 
I'm so glad you guys are along for this ride. Uh, welcome to Loon's lowest rated podcast ever. Uh, no, that was the abortion one so far. Yeah, uh, I, this one might beat it. That one made that one made made the dude bros real uncomfortable. Oh, you uh, know what? I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't either. Yeah. Um, no, I think I if think you're and this is by a woman making a choice for her own body. It, it, you can go brought in a yeah, hole somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, only, yeah. You, you then you don't you don't need to be in relationships with people. Yeah. If you like, lack complete empathy for anybody's, you know, personal autonomy, and and don't care what the circumstances led to that are, well, fuck off. Yeah, it's um, um and, and frankly, the circumstances that led up to that point, it's none of your business. R- in America, we don't we don't make it easy for you to feed yourself. We don't make it easier easy for you to have children. We don't make it easy for you to not have children. We don't make it easy for you to buy a house anymore. We don't make it easy for you to uh, save up for retirement. We don't make it easy for you to retire if you're actually at retirement age. Well, only thing that we make easy is bullets and guns. We make sure, sure. they're super cheap. Yeah. So like, like and, when, and when people apparently, ask, apparently, you know, after you buy the bullets and guns and you shoot somebody, if you're white, you don't have to have accountability. Either, well, so. it, it, it well, no, it's worse and scarier that it really depends on the judge. It yeah. depends on the what 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 municipality you did it in. From for sure, it, it, it's um not to bring up any current <laughs> events. Yeah, yeah. So, but all that to say, and this is. One of the things that I I was I'm I'm excited to have talk to you about me and Loon and the music because you already without me even bringing it up hit on yeah that exact thing of like the whole reason I got into rock and roll. Um, so I don't think I've I, I know you've heard this story even if you don't remember it, but I have not said this story on here. But the day I can still remember the day and moment that I wanted to do rock and roll um it was in middle school at a um uh assembly like a like a chapel, chapel. assembly assembly at at school at school ebcs they love their chapels man yeah they did um they still do and it was um brandon man i think had a band it was either brandon man or josh hensley and i can't remember I remember that assembly because that was uh, that was the first live like band that they let play at chapel, and then used fish played shortly after that, like maybe a year or two after. That, yeah, something like, something like that. But uh, but that, I think that was the beginning of having like live music uh, up it, on stage. So you know? so yeah, it was these students. It was people in high schoolers, so they were like three four years older than us. They had a band and they played some Christian band stuff and three or four teachers walked out, like walked out of the assembly. And I don't remember what they played. I don't remember if I liked what they played. I loved that teachers left. Teachers walked. I, I literally was like, Oh, this is what I need to be doing. And so then I, started trying to listen to whatever I could wherever I could and you know the the next thing you know I'm I'm discovering Nirvana and Nine Inch Nails and you know 
then it's just all over at that point. Like, speaking of Brandon Man, does he still have uh, the reprimand? Uh, I don't. I mean, I still follow him on some social media stuff, and I don't know how much music he does out anymore. It's all, but it's hard to tell. The that was, la- that was a fun group to watch. The, the last two years have oh, yeah, have like like. Like if you were to follow me on social media, you would also and didn't like know me, know me. You'd be like, I don't know if he still is doing music or not. Because mm. I mean, what are what what are any of us doing? You know what That's I mean? True. Like it's yeah. it's. I I've mean, played. I mean, you got to play Rebel Arts Fest. Okay. Yes, we. Which which bring <laughs> calling back to your childhood trauma. Yeah. When you play your cover of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, um, people were really happy up until you got to that one point. Uh, no, it wasn't Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's a, it's a new one. Um, that that um, it it I used the um chorus uh What's from This Little Light Is Mine. That, that's it. That's it. The, I could have swore it was somewhere. Well, over well somewhere over the rainbow was we we I did I've I've cannibalized that too. That's on um uh the don't give up the ship the mm-hmm. um whatever happened to the Emerald City, which is a song about oh, divorce. Okay. Yeah, no, no, the one where you specifically bring up your childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people were real happy and they're like, okay, cool, cool. No, <laughs> I was like, you guys are about to get hit with something real dark. Well, and I mean that's only because they didn't catch like. They probably didn't consciously catch. Like, I don't think I really hide anything in that one because the no, first you still sound really the, pop. The, the pop, fir- like folky. Yeah, but the I mean the first verse is um father um father dear father dear why did you hurt me I don't want to touch you I don't mm. want to touch you I mean I I mean that's the first verse so uh you know in a weird uh, artistic level my sympathy for you if if it takes me screaming about alcohol and drugs at the end of it to to like catch up to that I'm like well that's your fault for not catching the sexual abuse thing at the front of this we're not listening <laughs> like I I didn't hide it like it's right if you go all the way to the back man it was right there at the beginning this the second verse is about my mom hitting me I mean like yeah <laughs> like uh you know it's 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 a uh, I'm not big on subtlety. <laughs> I think. Did you play right before or right after Wham? We pay. <clears throat> we played two. Two. I think it went us, Leatherface, and then maybe Wham. Okay, because they were they were completely <clears throat> different. <laughs> they're wonderful. They're, yeah, they're no. happy. They're peppy. I like them. They're queer. They're Mel's they're awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 great. I lo- I love I love Wham. Like g- genuinely, passionately love them. They and this leads into so we've 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 talked we've rambled around our friendship and relationship <laughs> enough. The other thing about Travis is because we've known each other for so long. Travis was there before. Loon, obviously, he was there before before Sonnet. Sonnet. He was there before I knew how to play guitar. So yeah. he he is one of the few humans that I'm. I saw you go through your godly phase. Yes, I saw you go through your Wiccan phase. Yes, I've seen you uh, be agnostic, mm-hmm. atheist. Yes, small a atheist. Now and now and now, just like just like uh, atheist. Yeah. <laughs> eh. 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 Probably not. Probably nothing. I don't know. Probably when we're dead, we're just done. I don't know. But who who am I to judge? You know, like you do you. I I I'm uh I'm actually very um 
I currently because you you just gotta deal with us occasionally catching up because we don't talk to each other a ton. Um, I've I've definitely lowest rated episode. <laughs> I I um I'm really enamored with like um Irish paganism. Like mm. I because I I want to like learn about yeah, I want to learn about my roots like my real roots not the uh like the. I tweeted a, a few days ago or a week ago like um. Somewhere along the line, so like Irish folks, you know, my mom's side of the family, and like you're, I, you're Scottish though, right? Like, is that your guys' um, we're background? British Isle bastards as well. Okay, we so the, on my dad's side, on yeah. my mom's side, we're French and German, so <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot there. Um, so that my mom could unpack how shitty my family history has been. For a yeah. long time, a lot of a lot of conquerors yeah. and being conquered. <laughs> it turns out, uh, one side of my family can trace their roots back to the Mayflower. Oof, I forgot about that. I knew that until I forgot about that. The other until one right is pre Mayflower too. Cool, yeah. cool. A lot of which I mean really tracks with your like. Yeah. Anyways, we don't we I, we don't need to do you you you. I didn't bring you on here to get in trouble with your family for. Why did you guys it's, spend twenty hey, don't minutes? Don't worry, don't <laughs> worry. None of my none of my siblings are gonna listen to this. Uh, <laughs> my um, parents don't know what a podcast is. That's fair. Uh, boomers. I'm, I'm digging my own grave right now. <laughs> um, the uh, um, oh, what was I say? Oh, the, um, so like um, Irish folks ended up here in North America because uh. British folks did to us what British folks did to Native Americans over here. And somewhere along the line, when the Irish come over here in the different waves and times that they did, um, they sold their heritage out. There's I don't there's not a nice way to put it because I don't think it is nice. I I I'm currently slowly trying to dig into like I'd like to know exactly when and how that happened, the phases of that because you go from your cat is angry. Kim is she'll get over it. She's so dramatic. I'm guys. I did. I'm such a shitty cat parent. I had the audacity to put her back on on dry food. And she is just... You should know better. Anyways, she'll be fine. Um, so, uh, somewhere along the line, Irish, who notoriously not loving the British for, for very good reasons, went from having been colonized and raped and pillaged and beaten and pushed off their land to... Being in North America and deciding that they are white, mm. and here in North America something happened because you go from signs being up in the East Coast like "Help Wanted Irish not, need not apply" to Irish people being this like important and respected block of white mm. middle class voters. Yeah, that's called white privilege. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's and yeah. that's what I. Based solely on skin color, right? But it, but it wasn't. We, I mean, like you, you, the same thing happened with the Italians and with like different people as they got here. Were not white. Were not considered white. Irish people when they first got here, not considered white. Somewhere along the line, 
they let us into the club and we sold out our heritage to do it. So now I'm kind of just digging in slowly but surely into like um, just Irish history. And, and I've st- started listening to a podcast called The Troubles, which is just a, a day by day, moment by moment um, talking through the the uh, IRA and mm. British soldiers, you know, just, you know, uh, not, it's not good stuff. It's not, I, I, I have very, um, understanding and, and are you a complicated Protestant atheist (laughs) or a Catholic atheist? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, you know, that's its own discussion in of itself. Uh, I, I am, don't, don't set off bombs in places where civilians are. I guess is what I where I come down to. If I had to like discuss the entire time of the the IRA and like the, the like fighting the British, I'm like, yeah, you want to get into gun battle with the with British soldiers? Like, I get it. I I'm even there with you. I can I can even like in a field away from innocent people. But like, if you're not downtown. I mean, they in their church. They they dropped a hotel on Thatcher. I mean, they dropped a hotel on her. Now, it's Margaret Thatcher, and I have some real, I have some real strong feelings about about her. But like, you you know, have you ever heard the uh, the IRA's official response after because she survived that? So they dropped, they literally blew up a hotel she was in, dropped, like collapsed one corner of it, and she survived. And they, the IRA, the the next day, I th- I think it was the next day, put out a video response, and it's like literally dudes with Kalashnikovs and like you know the the ski masks on, and it's three uh, Shane Finn guys also with ski masks on and like 38 specials on the table in front of them and you you it's just a uh, um just remember uh you have to get lucky every time we only have to get lucky the one time mm. <laughs> it's spoken like a true terrorist i don't know yeah it's it's it gets it gets murky uh which you know is why you don't want things to get to that point you know i tell people all the time that violence doesn't care about your politics like once you get to a point where violence is happening there is no safe safe anything everything's on the table because bullets bullets don't stop to ask if you're white they don't stop to ask if you're voted republican like they don't stop to ask if you like believe in che rivera like they they just do what they do man um anyways it's just i need to get that out there uh i'm pretty much pacifist these days in a lot of ways yeah it's i i was for a long time i'm i have more complicated feelings and emotions these days don't get me wrong like if if a civil war started like you can't be a pacifist that it doesn't work that way yeah so um so anyways Back to the actual point of the podcast. Uh, yeah, well, we're, music. <laughs> this is about music. That's right. So, um, there's a guitar to my left. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm curious about is kind of picking your brain 
about observing, you know, because I can't, I can know how it felt to do the things. I can't, and have stated on this podcast before, I can't understand what it's like to observe me doing the thing. So, like, it's interesting to. So, you know, what's your earliest memory? Let's maybe start there as, like, as painful as it might be for me. What's your, like, earliest thoughts or memories of me and music and guitar? and? So the first show, actual show that I remember you play. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty vivid in my mind. Was uh, was actually at a, uh, a teen dance club uh, called the 112 Club. Oh, yeah. And that, it still might be around in downtown Elkhart. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, it was three floors. Okay. And it was converted from a Masonic lodge of all things. Mm. Um, and, Very QAnon. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, so top floor was always like hip hop, like dance music, like kids grinding on each other, getting sweaty. Um, I, I worked at this place because the owner also owned a tuck shop that I worked at at the time too. Um, and I was, uh, quote unquote security at the time I was probably five and nine and 140 pounds. So that was, uh, not what you, (laughs) I was not security. I was the guy at the door, uh, that had to pat down the boys that came in to make sure they didn't have any weapons on them. Um, but somehow my friendship with Nathaniel ended up with them getting a gig at mm-hmm. this club in the basement where you were allowed to smoke down there. You weren't allowed to smoke anywhere else in the club except for the basement, which, you know, worked out great for us cause we all smoked back then. Uh, we did. So they had this little stage. It was like a portable stage and it was you and Grant and I think Josh, Nope, Matt. Matt? It was Matt. Okay. And you were still very much pop punk back then. Mm-hmm. It was Sonnet, not Loon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came down to watch my guys, you know, my friends play. And uh, it was just... It, the kids that came to that club that night could not have cared less Mm-mm. about you guys playing in the basement. And they were annoyed that they had to come listen to you while smoking. Mm-hmm. And that that was my first memory of of seeing Nathaniel play live, um, but it's it's a very vivid memory. I remember sitting at a round like banquet table, like portable banquet table, yeah. Yeah. with a glass ashtray on the table, and, yeah. in one of those you know metal padded seats, and just listening to you guys play, and it was it was terrible. I mean, <laughs> you guys played pop punk terribly. I think you you maybe played three like three chords at, mm. at that time uh grant was unsure of the beats that he should be playing on any given song and just kind of made it up every every song mm-hmm. matt seemed to have it most together but he, he was he, just rhythm you know with the bass he and, also had been in bands like yeah. you know since he was since high school high school like he like you know he was in a different uh I don't well, he played a lot of church band like type yeah we both we both played played in he'd played praise band before i did because i started playing in praise bands after they all graduated and left like yeah the only praise band that i remember you playing in was with dwight peterson during a wednesday night service at the old first baptist church Mm -hmm. and it was one it was like during your godly era where Mm -hmm. you didn't sneak out 
to go over to Pier Moran Mall and go to Karma Music and buy buy or really hang good out records. Target, yeah, and, you know. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Mm. Wednesday night <sighs> services were actually like kind of cool back in the day because our parents just thought we were at church, but we'd go do whatever. Yeah, oh yeah. No, they were cool when we skipped. They were like the church yeah. part of it wasn't cool. No. The, the it was it was a chance for us to to be adults. Yeah, and we we ended up at Pizza Hut a Pizza lot. Pizza Hut, but, a yeah, lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. But didn't Matt work at Pizza Hut at that well, time? Well, Byron Byron worked at Pizza Hut yeah. for a while. Then I worked at Pizza Hut for a while. Like everybody, kind of did some time there. It was one of those few places where we didn't feel like we were going to get kicked out at any minute because. Mm-hmm. You know, we had enough friends that work there that were cool with the manager, and, and the and manager Will, was like, uh, "Will was very cool." Will, Will was the first openly gay person that I ever, yeah, knew and like what, had a relationship with, and indefinitely is what the he, person that started deep, like not on purpose, like he didn't try to, but like being just being friends with him started deprogramming me. Yeah, my my deprogramming happened later than that. It was Doug. Oh yeah, Tavel. Doug, to this day, I'm still friends with Doug on Facebook, and that guy, bless his heart. That's all. All I can say, man. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he was he was the first like very o- openly gay man with with me, and he uh, he definitely had an impact on my life. Like realizing, you know, gay people aren't this like evil, you know monstrous type of person that's coming for your soul yeah which is which is basically what we were taught growing mm-hmm. up was anybody that didn't fit within this mold of humanity was of the devil trying to you know make you end up in hell right you know right. and was and, trying to tempt you with something right. to to and, and doug was just like a genuinely nice guy that would hit on me occasionally yeah, yeah. D- doug but Doug was a certain in saying it, that Doug was the is the reason primarily for me why or opened my eyes primarily to you know gay people are are cool man like all the gay people I've ever met they've been through so much shit and so much hatred and so much animosity just for the way that they were born and who they love that you know they don't give they don't care right they you know most of the gay people that i met at that at and I, i'm not trying to generalize gay people here are, are members of the lgbtq community but um he was a, a driving force in my accepting other people's life you know how they live their lives i don't even want to say lifestyle because it's it's more than that you know right right so um doug i hope you're doing well yeah he <laughs> He was, he was, I really love Doug too, but I, I will say that he is a very specific type of, of late nineties, early two thousands, older gay man that there's some problems there. There's some very specific, (laughs) I know exactly what what, you're talking about. White, white gay men of his, of his era problems that that are just kind of baked into the way that they approach, um, sex and a consent. Mm. Um, there were, there he, were... he hit on people as much as a, 
aggressive as, attack as, yeah, ag- as as it as a actual flirtation. Yeah. Like, and that that can have like I he, I don't want to shit on him. Well, he, uh, he he hit on he hit on people as aggressively as straight white men hit on women. Yes. So, um, only he hit on straight white men right. as a gay man. Yeah. And I can't really fault him for that. Well, it, because uh, it, in yeah, because because we liked the target that he was. It, it, it's, that's it, fair. It's that's it, fair. It's always it's always easy to look past um, possibly unhealthy behavior when it's pointed at people that you're like, well, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but at the same time, you know, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I I mean think about think about all the things that um an openly gay man in the in the I mean cuz Doug's an older older gentleman. I don't want to put him on blast here. Um but I mean he lived through the Stonewall era and you know things that that we can't even fathom as far as hatred and animosity for just the way he was born. No, he he and, um his his triggers probably weren't always the best um but man i can't imagine even I, dealing with with being gay in the 90s not to mention being gay in the 80s and 70s and 60s like um i mean the whole hiv era in in the 80s like yeah <laughs> oh no i i am i am not being I, assumed that you're hiv positive just because you're gay like that it, that's if, if terrible. Um, absolutely it, terrible again it, i'm gonna say i'm sorry this is the lowest rated podcast of loon um it it's um it is uh i i don't disagree with anything i just think i'm at a point where because we're in 2021 and um my own relationship with my own conversation with any queerness like i i'm more um willing to go yeah no i can both understand and say that doug was the by far the lesser of all the issues happening in the 90s and early 2000s while still acknowledging like yeah but we need to be better than that too like 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 Um, we i mean even even the point where we're at now at least for me personally um I hope in 20 years I'm better than I am now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're talking about things that happened well over 20 years ago at this point. In time yeah, too. And, or and at least at least 20 years ago at this point. In and time. and you know to 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 point out the hopefulness. I mean, we are two 40 something white dudes that are arguably more radically left now. Than we were in our twenties, and by, that's that by far. And dude, and, if you would have called me a liberal back in those days, I would have wanted to punch you in the face. I and you are not wrong about this mic stand. Like I just want to fiddle with it. I'm the, sorry, <laughs> uh, Travis. We were talking about before this. Like I had to kind of like talk to him a little bit differently because Travis is the first 
non-musician that I've I've had over here and I was like I realized that like every music like I don't need to really tell them much I go yeah the mic you're using is gonna be just like a stage vocal mic and they know exactly what they need to do and with Travis I was like you want to you're gonna want to stay close to the mic you're gonna keep yourself kind of centered in it um you're gonna want to fit fiddle with stuff don't <laughs> yeah i'm sorry because because you're not because only, only because it, the mics pick it up and you'll never stop you'll never be happy with where That's it's I at need, i need to play things uh, in my hands um but no uh you, you know uh so yeah um to, to keep you not so then you have yeah yeah i was in a band called sonnet uh it was pop punk it was how did we get from that? To that? I'm sorry, man. No, no, I like I like it. I I will tell. I've I've told so many people that have, have sat in these conversations. Like I purposely don't structure them because I think this is more interesting to just see where the conversation yeah. takes you. Like so, it feels more natural. So then during Sonnet, like that was what I would call a really dark point in your life. Yes, and a dark point. Oh, it was it was. A somewhat dark. Point I, I was an alcoholic. Point. Like I was a yeah. straight up. Like you that lived is in an apartment with Matt and um, eventually Grant and like three other people. It was a two bedroom apartment. It was real weird. It was. Um, and then you moved to a house. It got weirder in a um, in a weird area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got even weirder. And then Sonnet broke up because of that move to that house. Yeah. Um, and then you just kind of floated for a little bit and then you started Loon and, uh, Loon originally was you, Chad and John. Well, it was just you for a hot minute. And then it was just me and Chad. Me and Josh. Oh, you and Josh. And then Josh and I, so Josh and I got together without any, without any idea of a band. We just, he came into the mall. I was working at Hot Topic and we were like, hey. And he's like, hey. We we're like, yeah. And we started talking. And it was, we were just basically exchanged phone numbers. And we're just like, man, I miss music. And the other one was like, yeah, I miss music too. Yeah, and Josh grew up in like a family of musicians mm-hmm. that played, like toured at churches and, and yep. things like that. His sisters sang in the band. His dad played all these instruments. He played stand-up bass. Yep. And cello and guitar and bass guitar. I think he played drums too. Um, he was very talented. Yeah. Oh yeah. Josh. Josh could as, as far as music went. Josh could become pretty okay at any instrument he picked up. Yeah. Any any oh, yeah. like I once watched him pick up a flute and in like an hour he was starting to like pick out melodies yeah. on a flute and a. And I graduated high school. With Josh, yeah. So and and, I, I and for those Josh of you from just growing up for these you you at home. Like, uh, woodwinds, I don't, I know nothing about technically, but just what, just knowing music and instruments, I would not say woodwinds are the most intuitive instrument. Like they're not a thing that you pick up and just intuitively go, Ooh, this is how this works. And this is how I'm going to make music out of it. And Josh, like in a couple hours was like picking out melodies and like finding his, his finger combinations. It's notoriously hard to play in general yeah so. yeah so he's he was super talented my saxophone playing daughter tells me all the time about how how flute like she can't make a single sound out of it i was like yeah when i when i was first starting out with an instrument like 
I could not. Flute was completely foreign to me. Yeah, yeah. It, so, yeah and and so that's just that's Josh was always my like. I'm I am good at what I am good at, which is if you put a guitar in my hand, I can pick out a melody. I can I can put chords together and and come up with a a, a melody line vocally that's catchy. That's what I'm good at. Just jo- let me play with the, the bottle opener, okay? No, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. I um uh I am I can feel you judging me with your eyes in the thing. And I've I've gotten technically better at the instrument over the years, but like Josh was Josh was who I leaned on for all the pretty stuff. That's what I would say. Like all the oh, yeah. all the pretty stuff you hear and you that's could play all piano too. I mean, yep. he was he was I'm sure he's still very very talented yeah, when it yeah. comes to musical instruments. Oh my my plan is once we get to the recording part of the new record, I'm going to I'm going to reach out to him and see if he wants to you know, if he Good, wants to man. come in and put some stuff on some stuff. Then. I have not seen the Mert in a long time. Yet. I I saw him during the first year of the pandemic. Um, okay. It must have been summer of 2020 um, because I wanted I wanted that banjo back. Ah. And so I reached out to him. I wasn't even <laughs> sure. Like, if, hey, dude, I think you still have my yeah, banjo and, and he said, years ago. And he said... Um, I, you're right. I think I do. And then it took him a little while to find it. But then I came by and grabbed it. Nice, so, man. Yeah. It's I. It's a very cheap banjo. I should probably eventually buy like a, a different one. But those those mother of pearl inlays. Those classy. Those fake mother of pearl star inlays. But yeah. so yeah. So then loon and isn't that and, missing a string too? No. I thought banjos had a like a, a seventh string. No, no, you're you're thinking of an actual banjo. Actual banjos are five string banjos, oh, four okay. strings that go all the way up to the top of the neck, and then there's one, so is which like is probably a, the string. A guitanjo. It's a cheater banjo, is how I've I've always re- affectionately re- referred to it as a cheater banjo. It is a guitar neck on a banjo resonator. Uh-huh, okay. So so I can pick that up and immediately play it without learning a single new chord i can tell or, you the the head on that banjo mm-hmm. it's a remo my my wife is very familiar with those yeah yes yeah. it's like uh i think that's a conselmer brand yeah i think so too so um anyway so so then i guess i'm curious as to what loon looked like because it was kind of a so, it was a it was a it was a slow so originally, meandering process. Originally, Loon was a remake of Sonnet. It was you. It was Sonnet 2.0. It was, it was you with Josh, and um, actual musicianship. Mm-hmm. Um, but you regurgitated some of the old yeah. Sonnet songs. Um, yeah, yeah. The the balloons. I'm, I'm remembering a song about balloons tied around your wrist. Oh yeah, Constellation Prize. Constellation Prize, yes. Um, mm-hmm. That was originally a sonnet song, if I remember it is, correctly. Yes, uh, and that carried over to the original Loon, and at, in fact, that made it onto the original Loon album. Um, yeah, that was on. Um, you also specifically wrote me a song for my wedding that you never played and you forgot. Yes. So. Yep. There, there's that. There's a memory there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I re- I remember all of that. I remember writing it. I could not I could tell you fuck all about it. Yeah. I just remember that it was a thing I wrote. It was yeah. Yeah. Something yep. about love. 
Yep. Uh, yeah. Sure. It's a, th- a thing I notoriously know so much about in all the healthiest ways. <laughs> it's from the heart. Uh, oh, I'm just uh, I'm just pulling up uh, our our band camp. That's where I hide. That's where I hide that uh, no one wants to sleep alone record. Man. So yeah, that's uh, that's consol- <laughs> consolation prize was a, a sonnet song. Um, sad song was a sonnet. Song. Sad song, yeah. Those were the two that made it onto that record that were yeah. that were both um, uh, sonnet sonnet song. holdovers. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I can still play. And then Josh, sad song. When no Chad, when Chad joined Sonnet, it was like lyrically you started writing a lot more. Um, he was like your your muse for a short time there. Um, well, he was like a serious poet. Yeah, and I wanted to be. And I, de- I and desperately Josh moved to Indian. Or I'm sorry, I keep calling him Josh. Chad moved to Indianapolis mm-hmm. and started playing in like three other bands, mm-hmm. as you do in Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he still was part of, of mm-hmm. Loon. Loon just moved further south for a little while. <laughs> yeah. We, well, we didn't really play down there very much. We we only. That's true. Yeah, I think only, you played the the one show that was south of Indian, like Anderson. No, it was it was in uh, Muncie. Muncie. Okay. So it was so it was actually like it's it was, south of us, but not yeah, but north east, of Indy. Yeah, it was at that. It was at um. Man, I wish I can remember what that club was called. It's not there anymore. But it was oh, like really? a yeah that little because I saw the. Oh, it's a college town. Yeah, it, we we opened. Yeah, we opened for we opened up for the original My Hidden Track lineup mm, yeah it was the three chad, of us chad and he hated he he hated all of those shows he hated them so much we didn't have a drummer we sat down didn't pat fill in on drums occasionally patrick patrick did start playing. no no no, not patrick pat, pat oh my hidden track no not with us okay Mm-mm. i thought he had played with loon like Mm-mm. once or twice no nope that kid was quirky, man. He was. He, mess- he messages me every once in a while. Oh, hi, nice. Hi, Pat. <laughs> I don't know. He probably won't listen to this. But yeah. <laughs> no. It, um, no. We were. We uh, like. I was weirdly. We were weirdly connected to um, that Indianapolis music scene. Yeah. Without really being living in Indianapolis or being a part of well, that Indianapolis music scene. It didn't there help were, at the time that I was, that the, was, there the, were people that had like those, fir- that first loon record. Yeah. That, that, down in Indy. That but, was a really dark time in my life. I don't know if you remember. I that do not. But, I, I was um, going to, I, you can talk as much or as little no, as you want we'll about just that. Leave it as a dark time in my life, but we were down in Indianapolis. Like, all every the time. other weekend yeah we were down there all the time so and constantly we, we were constantly at the hope compound mm-hmm. and if you it was if it was saturday night at the hope compound there was a party so yeah yeah you know it's if, if there was a show there was going to be a party there was like yeah. it was just i was which speaking of drunk I mean, a lot uh pitbull's still alive yeah <laughs> she is she is still kicking and dog passed PJ, away man. yeah i heard that yeah yeah and, and PJ's married now, which is P- PJ's very strange for me to think. And about. and we are probably the last two human beings that refer to him as PJ. Like yeah. what, like like does he the, go by Peter now? He's gone. He went by Peter like before. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he ever cared. It's just like we were like we were like the la- we were the last holdovers of people that I had just met him as PJ. So I just kept calling him PJ, and people would be like Peter, I'm like yeah, PJ, yeah, Dick Toilet. <laughs> Come on. Oh man, no, it was Peter it, Ridget. <laughs> we were Peter John. That's what it we was. were Peter in our twenties and. Um, didn't know how to deal with any kind of emotions. No, no. We we drank a lot back then. Uh, we made questionable decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've both grown and matured from that point. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, After that period of time. Yeah. Um, that's when you started playing more, a lot more shows up here. Mm-hmm. And you started, and Patrick uh, Quigley joined... So here, here's how, time, right? no, no. Cause he had just finished Dr. Doctor. That's the first time I ever met Pat was at the very last Dr. Doctor. When show. we, when I played the acoustic stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was by yourself, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was an interesting way to meet the members of Dr. Doctor. I had listened to their music and, um, I had seen them just at other shows and stuff like that, but I'd never met them. And me or seeing Patrick play with Dr. Doctor was incredible. Right. Like, Cause he stood up. He was the only drummer that I ever saw stand up during a show. Like he would play his, his set sideways standing up and it was, they just, were, it was the weirdest thing. And then seeing um, Sarah and, and her board of, pedals yeah it's just it's just crazy they were like she wasn't even she wasn't even doing post-track then it was it was already that wasn't really until what Analecta, Analecta, really? which is what so. which is what which is what they both did directly after dr doc yeah they started Analecta. yeah they started Analecta pretty quick after that yeah what is piper doing nothing no okay. piper stopped doing music just and then, completely yep okay and then Paul was actually the the oh the, yeah Paul, Paul was Paul I, you know I see posts every once in a while from Paul and I love Paul and uh, and I, he'll comment on something of like Pat's and I'm like how do you know Pat oh yeah. wait you guys were in a band together a, a for very, a long time a, a very successful ba- yeah, yeah like a, a very popular band um, yep yep no uh, and and back it, then he was known as Smoking Paul yep Smoking Paul now he's smoking hot. <laughs> Uh, that's great uh the no and and that was because um i always i've always been very cautious and uncomfortable with bringing new people into my creative world Mm. um because uh just because of all all me all me hangups you know like well i remember writing music writing music with people is very personal and and it's very much like a, a romantic relationship but with not romance and um I, so, rem- I remember at the time though thinking how is pat gonna fit into loon because he was playing a way different kind of music than what Loon was playing at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And even to this day, you know, Analecta is completely different yeah. than, than anything Loon does. I mean, they are way more, um, I don't even know what the word is, <laughs> technical? Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> you know? exactly the word. I mean, no, they're, they're, they are layered. They take they take musicianship to another level. They, like are, they, they, are, they are layered 
and complex, intricate, complex music. Loon is a beer bottle broken over the side of a bar <laughs> and then held against somebody's throat. Like there's just they're they're like uh, two completely different um, ends of the spectrum yeah, of rock and roll. Yeah, I don't... yeah, 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 very much so. And um, uh, all I can tell you is that from the second Patrick started playing, it just he just he he got it. Oh yeah, it, and that well, was one of those talk where talk about you have this knack of attracting like just these incredibly talented musicians. Yeah, to, I don't know to how. work with you. And I don't it's know like, how it happens. I and they tell me constantly it's because it's good music, and I still don't believe it. <laughs> you're like bullshit. That doesn't. That doesn't need, seem. You need a side hop. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. I mean, I I constantly refer to to uh, Analecta and spaceships as Brett and Patrick's real real things. Ah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Loon is just the the side project, you know, like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying real hard to work on my, my own opinion of myself, but like, which is where these conversations, so like, I'm curious about that. There is, to me, from the inside, there is an obvious shift of quality of, of music and intensity of purpose between no one wants to sleep alone and don't give up the shit. Well, it's almost like a completely new band. Okay. With, and I don't mean that in, mm-hmm. in a bad way. I mean that in a growth way. You went um, early on from being very much an angsty teen type of guy with Sonnet to then being an angsty 20-something guy with Loon. Right. <laughs> to then being like... Uh, alcoholism probably isn't the best way to live your life to being a grown-up with Loon. You didn't change, you know, you changed the name from Sonnet to Loon. You changed the members from Sonnet to Loon. Um, but then you changed the members of Loon to Loon, as it is now. And you guys are way more grown-up. Way more grown-up. Like, uh, lyrically, I mean, you can tell that you're not trying to hide who you are as much in some frilly bullshit anymore mm-hmm. or behind a bottle or mm-hmm. you know um any of those classic cliches of what you did early on um you've you've definitely grown lyrically and opened up who you are into loon which makes loon better so not just not just musically and lyrically but just in general so and I don't want to take away like no I'll take no. away from or from Sonnet all day long cause yeah that was that was a a moment in time in your life you yeah, know? yeah yeah but the progression of Loon you guys have gotten better and better and it's harder it's hard for a band um well bands of notoriety when they hit you know mm-hmm. they usually go downhill pretty right, fast right. Uh, maybe it's because you've never hit <laughs> yeah yeah we're. Yeah. We're the longest-running South Bend band that South Bend continues to go. Oh, how long have you guys been together? Yeah, like I still, I still get that at every every Loon show. Like how long have you guys you been guys a band? Seem pretty good, you know. Your chemistry's yeah, 15, there. Fifteen years, about fifteen years now, man. Yeah. Um, it, so and I and I I think this is cool too because once again, I mean, you were somebody that I used to send, and still do on occasion send like 
rough demos or like here's some stuff that I'm I'm working on because I would I'm kind of curious too because there was also you have Don't Give Up the Ship which is this very stripped down like folk punk inspired kind of a thing right like a you know uh Josh and I consciously decided to play only acoustic guitars on that record you can hear that it's a choice that permeates through the whole thing sure so then i have always been kind of interested in picking people's brains of what was it like hearing loon grow up into that like that album i agree like is head in it's a whole other thing like i learned how to write a song all of a sudden like it's a way better thing but then there's also this jump from Don't Give Up the Ship to The Ship is Sinking that I think is also very, at least for me on on the inside of it, felt very nervous. Like it made me nervous to have people hear that because we were going from this thing that people liked to, and now we're going to turn up the heat a little bit more. We're going to... Right. Yeah. You know, it, um, so early on, it felt like you were just regurgitating... Um, what you thought should be should be popular music um once you got to that point in that acoustic album uh it felt like you were trying to not not sound like everybody else anymore and try and sound more like yourself and then after that point it was like you started confronting some of your demons um you know it, it probably you know first and foremost was your alcoholism mm-hmm. um which i don't think you're you're shy about talking no. about that at all but no um there was definitely uh a lot of dependency there at that point in time in your life um and you could you could feel you trying to break out of that um i can't remember which album names it would have been from from one to the other there but um it wasn't so, until probably the last six you, or seven years. It, it was really when Pat joined Loon that you do you started Do to... you know... Well, here, let me... Because I think this is important enough, and I don't ever expect anybody to remember... Like, I don't remember I song titles. No, you're fine. Let's see here. I'm just going to pull up. So these are the songs on Don't Give Up the Ship. And that maybe that'll jog your memory real quick. And then I'll go, go back and I'll show you the stuff that's on. Yeah, so this was the album that you recorded in Brazil, right? Yep. Um, this was your party album. <laughs> <laughs> like a dark, weird party. I mean, it was it was a party that was reflective of the Hope Compound at that point in time. Really, it, yeah. I mean, a uh, lot of drinking, mm-hmm. lot of uh, promiscuity <laughs> on some level, um, and it was. I for me, it was looking at you and you realizing. Or wasn't it? What this album wasn't the point where you realized that shit had gone too far, right? It was the album after this that you really started being more reflective in what you're writing, 
and being more honest with yourself, I think. Yeah, because the the ship is sinking. That's here. I'm just I'm letting Don't give up a sh- the ship was more like a last gasp of your of your youth almost. I th- well, were... I, I think that I know I think I I'm not going to I I'm not going to argue with your perception of it, but I definitely I think that it was both things at the same time, right? Because you have you have stuff that feels real party but like um at it again is not a fun message no no uh falling off the wagon which is the last but song on there so is not in the ship is sinking you literally your second track was literally no way the ballad of a drink too far <laughs> so like yeah, you, yeah that yeah. was that was you uh, at least from my perspective was you saying you know maybe i have a problem maybe i need to on a personal level i'm not talking about musically like, you know, yeah 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 musically yeah. you've always been pretty pretty steady with with where what what you know you're good at right, right. yeah um but the ship is sinking and in albums after that you you started to grow more in your own comfort of who you are in the music that you play right so sonically it def i mean it's i mean it goes from all acoustic stuff to you know oh yeah like it is just a wall of distortion you know from one side of the ship is singing yeah you to went the from other. pop punk to acoustic to to folk acoustic to folk rock to yeah. more just kind of rock now right yeah i would I mean, you still got some folk in there. That's who. Well, you are, I would, I, I would call, I would, I would say it's, it's definitely fallen. We've definitely kind of landed right into alt country. Like it's okay. Like I can, I'm still using cowboy chords, and cowboy chords when you play them like cowboy chords have a specific feel to them that I think are is inevitably country. Mm. There's a twang. I, I want. I mean, I play Telecasters for a reason. Uh, in it's it I I like that that twang to my guitar the the progressions that I'm using the the stuff that I feel the most connected to when I'm writing it's all versions of it, you know it's what it's what I started getting into with like the last episode when I was talking about like 16 horsepower but you know 16 horsepower murder by death come along and just kind of like jackknife me into a certain direction and now fast forwarding all these years later you know i will listen to a old 97s record and just be like this is all i want to do i just if i could just like be a old 97s like if i could just write old 97 songs like i would just do that forever and if you have not really consciously listened to it before you leave i will play you an old 97 <laughs> song and you'll you'll get it but like there's there's like drive by truckers and old ninety oh, yeah. sevens and I'm not very familiar with old ninety sevens, but drive by truckers, um, yeah. That's I mean that's what yeah that's what I'm I'm in the pocket of more or less. Other than other than the one thing that I think is there all the time is the twangy stuff is very much there, but so is this grunge thing because of my age. Oh, yeah. Like there's a level of like nineties influenced and I've pop I've been going pop back alternative to the nineties uh, a lot recently. Probably because of nostalgia, almost mm-hmm. being forty, you know. Um, there was a lot of it's it's also but, very good music. Yeah, I mean it is. I, 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 I hate to be that guy that's like, 
you know, classic rock's the best, but man, like the nineties, not just, not just rock and roll in the nineties, not just grunge, but hip hop in the nineties was phenomenal. So so Nat, Nat Fitzgerald has a podcast called Detune. Was it Detune? I want to make sure I get this right. Um, and I would love to, I can't remember his co-host's name. Yeah, Detuned Radio uh, with Nat and uh, Jesse. And Nat and Jesse just had an episode about, um, recently about is the, is the 90s the best decade for music? And when you really unpack, like, you you do, you have, you have things like, in the beginning of the 90s, you have, like, NWA, Naughty by Nature, um, uh, that kind of stuff. And then by the end of the decade, you're dealing with... I mean, in the middle, oh, in the middle, in the middle, you well, have Tupac. Apparently, you had Public Enemy. Yeah, I mean, and then you, you yeah, no, all... you're right. Public Public Enemy, NWA, NWA Naughty yeah. by Nature, like you, LL Cool J. You know the 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 back half of the Beastie Boys yep. as they transitioned into that weird '90s electronica hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> that they started getting into, and then in the middle you had Tupac and, and Biggie. Biggie. Yeah, and then at the end you have you have well, not just. Tupac. I mean, there were so many artists, and like Big Pun came out in the or in the mid '90s, and I, I mean, he was the first like Latinx representation mm-hmm. in mainstream hip, mainstream hip hop. Um, Cypress Hill, yeah, Cypress Hill, uh, Eminem. Well, toward the late '90s, you had Eminem, who was like, well, and then who J- broke the mold for v- what Vanilla Ice had done to white right. people. <laughs> yeah, rapping, yeah. You know? and and of course you have J- by the end you have yeah, Eminem yeah. and Jay Z. They, they, yeah, you they now Nas, you whether had. whether you like yeah you have Nas, Eminem, and Jay Z who are all kind of co sharing the Tupac, Biggie. Yeah, like, and that's just in hip hop, and that's just in popular hip hop. Then you go over, and obviously you have Nirvana all the way into like Sonic Youth and White Zombie, and like you Nine Inch Nails. You have mm. all of this stuff in rock and roll. Then you have like underground rock and roll with like uh, you have well, you, have, uh, you like- have you have Uncle Tupelo, um, which Uncle Tupelo turns into Wilco and Sunvolt. You have uh, um, well, you in drive by truckers. 90s, you had the the Christian hardcore scene too, which I was a big fan of. With Zao, and yeah. I mean there was there was a lot of bands. Back it, then. It, it's just I mean, you had just from I mean from my youth, you know the Christian bands um, started becoming more mainstream. Oh, too, which Lord, they did. I will never forget when that Switchfoot record hit number one, the same Switchfoot record that I had bought at the family bookstore like two years earlier, and I was just like, what the fuck is pop music doing? <laughs> I was like, this is... And then, like... P.O.D., man? Come on. I don't... I've already... I've already gone on a couple rants on this podcast <laughs> about P.O.D. and how I just have some uncomfortable feelings about, like... 
Jars of Clay. They <laughs> they like went mainstream for a hot second. They did. You know? They did. Um, and then like um, this. I think this was more of a was tooth, it tooth and that, nail. Tooth. Yeah. yeah tooth, the, um, they signed some decent acts at the time, like Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, they signed. And, uh, um, the 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 one that I've just always had a real frustration point with is um, I never liked Skillet when I was a Christian. And then I've never liked that the music industry continues to try and tell me that Skillet should be something that that I care about, and they're just not. I don't. They're not. None of us should care about Skillet. They're terrible. They've always been terrible. I, I and I and literally, now, I don't think I could name one song of theirs. So I hope I, that helps. that's no, that's good. And and like now they're terrible, and their lead singer has got real shitty, problematic views on covid and race relations and like you know the the classics i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that most christian bands from the 90s are probably pretty problematic yeah. in general yes you know as far as their members go and their world views so. um so uh well we're we're at an hour and a half in and i and i can already tell that this is just gonna be I just gonna have to have Travis back and just talk to him some more. His wife's texting him. Candy, Candy still frightens me. Like I'm, I you should. I, I don't want to make her angry. I'm. She might show up somewhere. Just, just tell her and, how and much hurt, you love her. Her, I, I do. I love you, Candy. How much you appreciate <laughs> that I come out here. Yeah. Um. So we'll 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 kind of abruptly come to an end and just say, hey, you know, you'll have to come back and we'll have to talk some more. I love um, that, man. I, I've definitely enjoyed this, and I think it was. I think it's good. It was a. It's an important conversation. It's views into myself that. I don't and I got to yet. meet the new pugs. So yes. there's that. Oh, they're they're so great guys. You, you Rosie and and Cookie are, are two of the best. Um, so what I'll what I will say is I was gonna do this anyways. Is why don't you pick a loon song, and I'll tack it on to the end here, and we'll close out. Oh man, with a loon. That's song. a lot of pressure. It is. Uh, well, then let's do consolation prize. No. <laughs> okay. So we're now we're gonna have rules. Um, it has to be on. Um, don't give up the ship, or the ship is sinking. Right, bring, give me those albums because I can't. I'm not gonna be put on the spot. Let's here. uh, let's uh, let's let's actually let's let's say don't give up the ship. You have to pick something off Doko of the ship. Right. And not add it again because that's the yeah. obviously the intro song. Let's do Tequila Sunrise. Okay. All right. Which I which I named Tequila Sunrise because at the time that I wrote this, that was Candy's, Candy's favorite go-to drink, man. That was her yeah. that was Candy's favorite. favorite. And and so um I don't know if you guys caught this, but at the la- that one show that we got to play in the last 2 years, uh, we played a song called um, Tequila Sunset. So you have tequila, you have tequila sunrise, and now it, I'm taking. I wanted to write a song about that same character, that that girl at the bar. And I would argue that even though um, she's treated pretty good in the song Tequila Sunrise, um, it's still pretty male gazy at mm. times. It's still oh yeah, no, it's not. Um, it's not my. It's. I don't walk away with with just good feelings about myself as a as a writer and viewer of the world. Um, so, on the new record, I have a song that's about her, but but trying very much to like dig into her from her perspective and trying to um, 
only talk about her perspective instead of trying to view her through the lens of other people's perspective. And I'm pretty proud of it. It's, it's a very, um, I sent it out to a to to some people and and like kind of was double checking my like hey how's the, how do we feel about the language in this what do we how do we feel about how I'm treating this this character and I've gotten positive things back of like you know just kind of actively I hope you've sent it to to women uh fem fem bodied people or fem perspective people yes fair fair yeah yeah yes um, that would be not your most accurate feedback. <laughs> not not dudes i didn't yeah. send it to don't send it to dudes i didn't send it to bros broing down about their bro stuff <laughs> so cool uh so um uh yeah so i will put that on there and thanks for coming out man i appreciate hey, it it's my pleasure love to be you here. dude i'm sorry that i made your ratings go down. no you you can't make them go down more than my rants about how shitty metal dudes in the early 2000s were oh they're they were real bad. They were not good. Yeah. I, I, I and myself included. That, that's what I was gonna <laughs> say is and like I'm saying that about me when I say yeah. shitty metal dudes in the early 2000s. I mean, were, even, like I'm talking about to me. Like mid 2000s. Yeah, late scene, mid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene was toxic. Not healthy. Toxic as fuck. Yeah. Um. So we're we're gonna end on on tequila sunrise a song about a girl trying to dance in a bar and having a bunch of people call her a slut yeah um respect others yeah yeah so um um and and the the positive side of that song is her not giving a fuck because she shouldn't yeah so fuck those people that were calling her names um so this has been loon the pod um i love you very much Loon Loon loves you very much. Travis loves you very much. Oh, I thought that was directed to me. I do love you very much. I do I also love you very much. Thanks for coming out again. Hey. My again, my pleasure. All right. Till next time. Call her